Well, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Exodus 19. We're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Exodus. It's a great book. It's powerful. We see how God delivers his people Israel from Egypt. What's mean that? We've seen how he's provided and protected them in the wilderness. And this evening now, we're moving into really a different section of the book. It starts going to be a little bit different now. In fact, the rest of the book of Exodus is going to focus on the law. And God gives to Moses and the nation of Israel the law, and it sets them apart. And so we need to think about the law. And as we think about the law, here's some questions probably that we need to to raise. Listen, why did God give the law to Israel? And we call it the Mosaic Covenant, that aspect. What is the purpose of the law? And how do we as Christians relate to the Mosaic law? I mean, are we under law? Or what's the aspect of that? And we'll see it. Well, this evening we're going to see God's conditional covenant that he made with his people, and we'll see how it relates to us. Let's start with a prayer, and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you again for the privilege of singing those songs. Thank you for the privilege of looking at the Word of God. It is alive and powerful. It is wonderful. It is your Word. Help us, Lord, as we look at it. We know the things that were written in the Old Testament were written for our instructions. And so, Lord, help us as we study and help we put this together so we can see what you have for us so that we can grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Teacher, Teach us even now, Lord. Thank you for Jesus' words. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, there's a lot of confusion concerning the law. When we think of the law, first thing we say, oh, the law, the Ten Commandments, that's what everybody see, thinks about. We see a contrast really about the Old Testament and the law and the New Testament and grace. And sometimes when, when churches think about the law, they they want to get it backwards. They say things like, well, you're saved by faith, but you live by law. You live by the, the laws and the rules and you, you keep the Ten Commandments. And most people say, oh yeah, are we under the Ten Commandments? Most people say, are we under the Ten Commandments? And people say, oh yeah, we're under the Ten Commandments. Well, and some people actually think the Christian life is a set of, a bunch of, of, of rules. And to be holy and to be a good Christian, you, you, and to be spiritual, you live under law. In fact, there's a whole group of people that actually believe that the Christian life is based off the Mosaic law. Well, I think the Bible teaches something different than that. And think about this. We're not spiritual and holy because we try to keep the law. The book of Galatians says, Walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're spiritual when we live in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is not a set of rules, a bunch of don'ts. It is a relationship and fellowship with God as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. So this evening, what we're going to do is we're seeing God giving the law to the nation of Israel. And the key question, and we'll think about it as we go through it, how does this relate to us? Are we under the law? What's the purpose of the law? How does that all begin? Well, we'll look at it as we go through the passage. Just think about this. The nation of Israel has come out of Egypt. They've they've come to a place called Rephidim, which uh, God has provided, God has protected. He's done everything for them all the way up. In this passage, they're going to end up in Mount Sinai. They're going to come before the mountain of God. And that was the place where Moses first saw the burning bush. If you remember, he saw the burning bush. God sent him. God said, here will be a sign. You will bring the people back right here. So they've come back to where Moses actually saw the burning bush. They're going to actually be in this area for about a year. Seems a little strange. We're going to see that. And, and we're going to see that God makes a covenant with Moses. Now, God's already made covenants with the nation of Israel up to this point. But we're going to see God makes a covenant with the nation of Israel and with Moses. And it deals with the law. It deals with standards. It sets the nation apart. It makes them a unique people. In fact, the Bible calls them a peculiar people. And peculiar doesn't mean weird. It just means different. It means set apart. And we want to take a look at the covenant, which is called the Mosaic Covenant of the law, how it relates to us. Now, uh, as, as we think about the study that we've been doing, we've been going, we started, 
we've gone through 18 chapters of Exodus. You remember we started the book of Genesis, went through all 50 chapters of Genesis, verse by verse, passage by passage, and then we left them, of course, in Egypt, and we said we can't leave them in Egypt. So we started the book of Exodus, and and now after 18 chapters, they've now come to where Moses, where we first saw Moses, uh, well, where we saw Moses get the aspect of going back and letting the people go. We have seen in the... God's deliverance of the nation of Egypt, uh, nation from Egypt. We've seen the Passover lamb. We've seen redemption. We've seen all these miracles. We've seen the provision and protection. We've seen in the, the food, the water, the defeating the enemies. And, and when we think about that, we think about what God does for us. He takes care of us all the time. He provides. He protects. That's what he does. Well, as we look at this book, we're going to do something a little bit different the rest of the way. Because if you've ever read Exodus, and you start in the chapter 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, you'll see that it is the law. And I mean it is the listing of all the different things. So what we're going to do, let me show you a little breakdown. Chapter 19 is the Mosaic Covenant. We call it the law, and it's the start of that aspect. And then in chapters 20 through 24, we'll actually see the law, and we'll talk about the Ten Commandments, and we'll talk about how that fits together. Then in chapters 25 through 31, there's the tabernacle, the priesthood, the sacrifices, all a picture of Christ. Then as you go on to chapter 32, that's when they do the golden calf and their failure. And then in chapters 33 and 34, Moses sees God's glory. And so as we look at this book, we're not going to go, as we go through all this section, we're not going to go verse by verse. We're going to hit some key sections as we go through. See, there's really two things we could do. We could stop right here and say, well, we've gone through Exodus. We got them out. We got them up to the law. Let's go to some other book. But what I thought might be a good idea is just hit the big sections of the rest of the book so you can see how things fit together, so you can see the law. You can see the tabernacle and the priesthood and the sacrifices. You can see that what happened at the golden calf, which I think is, is an amazing story. And you know that Moses went up on the mountain and they, the people turned to Aaron, Moses' brother, who's three years older than Moses, 83 years old. And they say, we don't know what happened to Moses. We need to make a god and go back. And so they took all that gold and stuff that they had from the Egyptians and they made a golden calf. And when, they, when Moses came down the mountain, he had the Ten Commandments in his hand. They had already broken them, so he throws them down and breaks them. And he looks at Aaron. And, of course, what he does is he takes that golden calf and he grinds it up, puts it in water and makes them drink it. And then he looks at Aaron, and this is my favorite thing. He says, Aaron, what happened? And Aaron said, well, we threw the gold in there, and the golden calf popped out. And you can see Moses going, yeah, right, Aaron, that's what happened. And, and so there's, we'll see some of those great stories, and we'll see where Moses sees the glory of God. Where God said, Moses says, I want to see what you look like. And God said, you can't see what I look like and live, but what I do, I'll show you my back. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll go by so you can see a little bit. So we're going to hit some of those high parts as we go through the book of Exodus, and we'll do that. Let's look at chapter 19. Look at verse 1. It says, In the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. So three months have passed since they came out of Egypt. They left on the 14th day of the first month, Nisan. So they've come out. It, it, the time has passed. This is this is the this is in the third month now. They've came to Sinai, and this is the place where God had called Moses. This is the place of the burning bush. Notice it goes on to say, when they set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness, and there Israel camped in front of the mountain. 
there's all kind of there's all kind of discussions. Where is Mount Sinai? Is Mount Sinai way down in the Sinai Peninsula? Is Mount Sinai a little bit further up? Is it a little bit closer over? There's all kind of debates, and if you you can read books, and there's all kind of issues about where is this mountain? What is Mount Sinai? Whatever wherever it is, it's a big mountain, and it's where God revealed Himself to His people. And so they're now camped, as it says, they've camped in front of the mountain. And so you can see them, they're camped there and they're looking up and there's this, there's this tall mountain there. Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and to the sons of Israel. So Moses went up to God somehow. And, and you know what we've seen over and over and it's not explained it, but Moses talks with God. God reveals himself in some way to Moses. We don't know exactly how. It hasn't given us a lot of information, but Moses talks to God. We're going to see later on that they build a tabernacle where God comes and dwells among them. And so we're going to see more and more. But Moses goes up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. So he goes up, and, and he goes up on the mountain, apparently, and he says, You tell the house of Jacob, and you tell the sons of Israel. This is what I want you to tell the people. Notice, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. He said, you've seen what I did. You've seen how I came came out and a part of the Red Sea, and I brought you through there, and then I just took you away from them. And when you needed food, I gave you food. When you needed water, I gave you water. When an enemy attacked you, I took care of you. You've seen what I have done and brought you to myself. And he's saying, I brought you to me. This is where I'm going to meet with you. I'm going to meet with you at this mountain. And then he gives them something which you you have to notice this. Next slide. It's conditional. This is conditional. Notice. And he said then, If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all. The peoples for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. God says, Moses, you go back down and tell the people you need to notice. If it's conditional. No, go ahead. Keep it there. Yeah. Conditional. If you obey my voice, you do what I tell you. Here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make sure you're my, my nation, my kingdom of priests, the holy nation, that you're my own possession among all the people of the world. This is a special, this is a conditional thing. Now, we already know that God made covenants with Israel that weren't conditional at all. We'll talk more about that in just a second. And so he said that if you will obey and keep my covenant. Now, let's think about covenants for just a minute, okay? Because God made covenants. Covenant is an agreement. That's what it really is. It's an agreement. God has made covenants with the nation of Israel. We realize that God chose these people. It started with Abraham. Abraham. Abraham's name was Abram. He lived in the Ur of the Chaldees. He crossed over the Tigris-Euphrates River and became known as a Hebrew, which means one who crosses over. God then, in a sense, changed his name and named him Abraham, and he made covenants with Abraham. And that's the nation of Israel. And we're going to see this. Let's think about this. God made five covenants with Israel. Four of them are unconditional. In other words, God says, I will do. It's not conditional on what Israel does at all. The other one is a conditional covenant. This is the one we're seeing tonight. He says, if you do, then I will do. And so that's how God deals with it. Realize that a covenant, and let me make this carefully that you understand, 
These covenants are not made with the church, the body of Christ. They're made with the nation of Israel. Now, we have the blessings of the covenants, and we have some benefits of the covenants, but they're not made with us. So let's think about the four, four unconditional covenants. God does it all. We won't go back there, but the first one is the Abrahamic covenant. God made with Abraham is found in Genesis chapter 12. It's actually verses 1, 2, and 3, but 1 and 2 is fine. And that's where he promised Abraham that he would give him a land, a seed, and a blessing. He says, I'm going to take you to a land that I will show you and I will give you. I'll make a great nation from you, a great seed. Uh, there's going to be someone coming. And I'm going to give you a great blessing. You will be a blessing. In fact, in you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. It was incredible. And I want you to think about it. The land, of course, was what we call the land of Israel. It's called the promised land. The seed was the offspring of the people. Ultimately, the seed became the king and the Messiah. And the blessing is salvation to the world through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and this people group. The key one, I said, is Genesis 12:3, where he talks about, in you, Abraham, all the nations of the world will be blessed. How? Because the Messiah is going to come through Abraham, and that blesses us. We get blessed from the Abrahamic covenant, even though the Abrahamic covenant was not made with us, it was made with Israel. Now, that was the first one, but you remember it had three parts to it, the land, the seed, and the blessing. Now, God made more covenants. Remember, there were four unconditional. He came back in Genesis 13 and made another covenant that goes back. We call it the Palestinian covenant because it deals with the land. Later on in 2 Samuel 7, he made a covenant with King David. We call it the Davidic covenant. It has to do, it, it, it talked about his son being the Messiah and the king. That had to do with the seed. And then finally in Jeremiah 31, it's actually 31 through 34, uh, verses 31 through 34, he makes what he calls the new covenant, which deals with the blessing and the salvation. So the first covenant, Abrahamic covenant, has three parts. The other three unconditional covenants all tie back into the Abrahamic covenant. So there are four covenants that are are all dealing with from Abraham, and they deal with the land and the seed and the blessing, and all that ties together. Notice this. And I, did you did you get that written down? Are people still writing it? Go, go back to that slide just for a second. People need to write Genesis thirteen, the Palestinian. Second Samuel seven is actually twelve through seventeen are the verses. Second Samuel seven twelve through seventeen, the Davidic covenant, and Jeremiah thirty one is actually thirty one through thirty four is the new covenant. And uh, at the very end of Genesis 13 is the Palestinian covenant. He actually gives the dimension of the land that he has promised to his people. And it's a big, it's not, it's not the nation of Israel today. It's much bigger than that. Now, you need to understand, watch this. Now, here's the thing. The land belongs to the Jews. The seed, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is the king who will sit on David's throne. And the new covenant, the blessing, salvation comes through the Messiah, which will touch the entire world. That's the four unconditional covenants, beginning with Abraham, which dealt with land, seed, and blessing, and then three others, one dealing with the land, one dealing with the seed, one dealing with the blessing. It all ties together. Now, those covenants were made with Israel, the Jewish people. If you go to Romans chapter 9, and he talks about Israel, he said, to them are the covenants. The covenants are not made with us. We're the body of Christ. The covenants were not made with us. They were made with Abraham and the Jewish people. All these covenants are into effect. They are not fulfilled. They will be fulfilled when Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, comes to this earth, sets up the kingdom in the thousand-year reign, and that's when they'll be in the land, that's when he'll sit on the throne, and that's when the salvation will be for the world. So it will all be fulfilled when Jesus Christ comes. That's the four unconditional covenants. Now, tonight, we're looking at a conditional 
covenant. And the conditional covenant is called the law. The Mosaic covenant, the Mosaic law, we call it that because it was made with Moses. Moses went up on the mountain and he got it. God gave it to Moses at Mount Sinai. Now, it's important to realize that it's conditional because it's based on obedience. Those other covenants, God said, I'm going to give you the land, the seed, the blessing, had nothing to do with whether Israel was faithful or not. Israel is not faithful right now. As a people group and a nation, they rejected the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Is the land still theirs? Yes. Is the, is the King of kings and the Lord of lords the Messiah? Is he still theirs? Yes. Will one day be, be he set on the throne of Israel and there will be blessing to the whole world? Yes. So that's all coming to pass, not based on Israel's faithfulness at all. But there is a conditional covenant. We call it the law. It's made with Israel and it's conditional. And it's based on, I'm sorry, go back, go back one slide. It's based on obedience. Now, we're going to see in the rest of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those books are called the what? The first five books of the Bible are called the what? The what? The, the, ta- the Torah or the law, because this is the law part. There are over 600 commandments in the law. No, we always say top ten, top ten commandments. Moses went up and got the top ten, but they broke them before he got down the mountain. They ended up with about 613, some people say 620, whatever it is, ever how you want to count them. And here's what he says. If you obey, there will be blessings, I'll let you live in the land. If you disobey, there will be cursing and discipline, I'll remove you from the land. That's exactly what he's done. When they disobeyed at the time of Elijah and Isaiah. He removed them from the northern northern kingdom out, then he removed the southern kingdom out. Then he brought them back. And then at the time of the Romans, at the rejection of Jesus Christ, what did he do? Took them out of the land again. Now they're coming back, and then they're back in the land now, not in obedience. It's the Ezekiel passage of the dry bones. They're coming back, and one day, in the land, the Jewish people will believe in the Messiah. But this is the Mosaic law. If you obey, blessing. If you disobey, cursing. I want you to understand something. The law was not the means of salvation for the nation of Israel. All people through all time are saved the same way. They're saved simply by faith. Sometimes people think the law was given to Israel. People say, if you keep the law, you'd be saved. Nobody can keep the law. We'll talk more about that later. But the law is not a means of salvation. Never has been, never will be, because people can't keep it. The means of salvation is faith. Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Salvation has always been the same way throughout the whole Bible. Always faith. Faith alone. From Adam and Eve, to Abraham, to David, all the way up. Faith. Now, ours, we look back and we say, faith in Christ. The law did not save the nation of Israel. It set them apart and made them a unique people. Let's see the reaction. We'll get more in just a minute, but let's see the reaction when Moses told them that. So, verse 7. So Moses came and called the elders of the people, set before them all the words which the Lord had commanded him. He said, here's what God said. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Were they able to do it? No. And Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will come to you in a thick cloud, so that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe in you forever. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Now, understand, the law was not just Ten Commandments. 
in Exodus that we find in Exodus 20 is much more. Now, let me give you something so you can understand the law. Because uh, they said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. There are actually three sections to the law. Uh, there's the Ten Commandments, which was called the commandments. Then there's the ordinances. Then there's the statutes. The Ten Commandments were the commandments as a character of God. The ordinances were things like the tabernacle and the sacrifices and the priesthood and the feast days and worship and fellowship with God. And the statutes were things like food and clothes and, and all that things. You understand that under the Mosaic Law, there were restrictions on how, what clothes you could do, how you planted your crops, what you could do on certain days. There was the tabernacle, the sacrifices, the priesthood, how you fellowship with God, how you related to other people, husbands, wives, parents, everything all under the law. It set them apart and made them a unique people. If in your mind you've always thought that somehow Israel was to keep the law and be saved, You've missed it. They're saved by faith, just like we are. The law just the law was their means of fellowship and relationship with God. It was not salvation. So let's think about it for just a second. The law, number one, set them apart. It did. It made them a unique people, it made them different than all the other people. Nobody else had these laws. In fact, there's a couple of places in the scripture where it'll say, What other people had such Laws to make them different. Nobody. Nobody else had that. Number two, it pointed, it showed their sin and pointed to a Savior. When you look at the law and when you make the statement that all God says we will do, what you have to realize is you can't do that. And as you look at that, you keep, you say to yourself, the law cannot be the basis of salvation. Law never saves. Law always points out that you haven't kept it. Law shows the need for a Savior. Listen, it, how many of you have kept the Ten Commandments? You've not kept any of them. You've put things before God before. You, you've, you've, you've put something as an idol. You've, you've done, we've, we've lied. We've lusted. You say, well, I've never murdered anybody. Jesus said, if you hate it, it's the same as murder. Nobody can keep it. It shows sin and a need of Savior. And the third part, it was a means of fellowship and worship for the nation of Israel. It wasn't their salvation. It was a means. Now, let me just say this. By the time we get to Christ, and as all these years went by, the Jewish people did what a lot of people do, is they missed it. And they begin to say, okay, here's all the laws. If we do all the laws, God will be pleased with us. In fact, if we keep all the laws, or we try to keep all the laws, or we do the best we can, that's how we get to God. And by the time you get to Jesus, you got the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these religious groups thinking that keeping the law will somehow get them to God. It's just like you talk to people today and you say, what do you think you have to do to go to heaven? And they say, what? Try to, try to live, you know, live a good life. Well, that, what that's saying is what? Be good. Keep law. Keep law and you'll be saved. You can't keep it. You can't live good enough. You can't be good. All have sinned and what? Come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. So, I mean, it's, we're out. Now, before we see the rest of the section, how does this relate to us as Christians? First of all, are we under the law? Is the plan for living the Christian life the law? Well, let me remind you of several things. Number one, we are not under the law of Moses. We have never been under the law of Moses. We never will be under the law of Moses. The law was given to the nation of Israel. And not only was it conditional, it was temporary. When did the law end? When Christ died on the cross because Christ's blood is the blood of a new what? A new covenant. The new covenant replaced the old covenant of the law. 
That's what the whole book of Hebrews is talking about. He's saying there is a, the new covenant came and, re, and, and in a sense got rid of the old covenant. That's why the New Testament says Christ is the end of the law to all who believe. So number one, we're not under law. We've never been under law. Romans, Romans chapter 6 says we're not under law but grace. Number two, the law is not a means of salvation and never has been and never will be. Salvation is always by grace through faith. It is not keeping the law. The law gives commands, but the law does not give the power to keep the commands. The law says don't do this, but it doesn't give you the power not to do that. We're not saved by our works, but we're saved by faith. Galatians 2.16, knowing a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. It's always the same throughout all history. It's always faith. The purpose of the law is clear. Romans chapter 3 verse 20 says the law shows us we are sinners. In Galatians chapter 3 verses 24, 25, and 26, it says the law points us to Christ. The truth is this, when you realize that you have sinned and what? Come short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is what? You say, that won't help me. You have to look to something else. And what is it? Jesus Christ. Third, the law is not the means of living the Christian life. It's not the means. The Christian life is living the power of the Holy Spirit, not trying to obey the Mosaic law. The Christian life, according to Colossians, is a walk of faith. It's not the walk of the law, it's a walk of faith. The law was given to Israel to set them apart. The law was not given to the church. We don't live the Christian life by trying to obey the Mosaic law. And let me ask you a question. What part of the Mosaic law do you obey? The commandments, the statutes, or the ordinances? What about the priesthood and the sacrifices? Well, you say, well, we don't even have that. You're right. What about the clothes? How many of you in here have any kind of outfit on that has two different kinds of material in it? You'd say, well, just about everything. Even my underwear has two different kinds of material, right? Cotton and something else? Under the Mosaic Law, you can't do that. Can't have two kinds of material together. How are you going to keep these 613 commandments? How are we going to live the Christian life this way? Well, some of them say, well, no, it doesn't. It, it doesn't mean you keep the Mosaic Law as a whole. It means you have to keep the Ten Commandments. How many of y'all done that? You can't do it. Listen, it's not the means of the Christian life. The Christian life is lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there is a law in the Christian life. You know what it's called? It's called the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is called the law of love. Christ said you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and love your neighbor as yourself. All commandments fall under this. A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. The law of Christ found in the New Testament is the law of love in which you love others as Christ has loved you. It's not a set of rules. It's love based on the power of the Holy Spirit. So what happened? Look what happened. He said, so the people answered and said, all the Lord says we'll do. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm going to come to you in this thick cloud so that the people may hear when I speak with you and they may believe in you forever. Believe in who? Believe in who? Who does it say? Moses. Why do they need to believe in Moses? Because he's their leader. You know what's fixing to happen? They're fixing to make a journey of about 11 days and they're going to stop at Kadesh Barnea and they're fixing to go into the land. And then they don't go. And so they have to wander around for how long? And who's going to be the leader for that 40 years? Moses. That's why he says, they need to understand who you are. 
Then the Lord also said to Moses, verse 10, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down to Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Has he come to see him before? Has he come to see him before? Huh? Well, we saw the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. Has he come to see him before? Do you remember the time they griped about the food? And they said, where are the birds? We need birds. We need something really to eat. And then this, we need something to eat. And we, where's the water? And God said, tell them tomorrow I will meet with them. He met, he met with them once. We don't know what he, he did. He didn't say. It was clouds. And he told them, guess what? In the morning, you will have manna. And in the evening, you'll have birds. He's already talked to them once. This time he says, tell them to get ready. For the third day, on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Now watch. This is dealing with law. You shall set bounds to the people all around, saying, Beware that you do not go up on the mountain or to touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall you surely put to death. Law brings what? Death. It always does. Grace brings what? Life. Law brings death. The soul that sins shall die. The wages of sin is death. It's always that way. He just said to him, hey, tell everybody to stay back. Tell everybody not to even touch the mountain. No hand shall touch him. He shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether man or beast. He shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a loud blast, they shall come to the mountain. He says, listen, y'all get ready. On the third day, you're going to hear a big horn. And it's going to go... It's going to get louder and louder and louder. When you hear the horn, everybody come to the mountain. But don't touch the mountain. If you touch the mountain, what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and he consecrated the people and he washed their garments. He said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. He said, look, don't even think about anything but God. Right? So it came out on the third day when it was morning that there was thunder and lightning flashes and thick clouds upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people in the camp trembled. Listen, if you think this was a fun day, this is not a fun day. They're all scared to death. They don't know what God's going to do. They don't know what God's going to do. They've all, all they've ever said is, whatever you said, God will do. And all of a sudden, there's this sound, and it's getting louder, and it's a loud thing, and they're supposed to come out. And as they come out, they look on that mountain, and there's thunder and lightning and a giant cloud, and it's covering the mountain. And they're going, oh, my gracious, what what is going on here? And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai... Listen to this. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked violently. Can you picture that? Smoke has filled everything. It's covering the mountain. It's shaking. When the then Notice, the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. What would you think it would be like to be there? Do you think it would be scary? I think it'd be, I think it'd be so scary. I don't know what we'd do, right? You know what we'd do? We'd say, Moses, you go on up there and talk to him, okay? Cause we're going to stand right over here. That's exactly what they did. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to go to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. You know what everybody said about Moses? 
What do you think they said? Wow, that guy's he not afraid. Why wasn't Moses afraid to go? Well, God told him, why wasn't he afraid? He'd been there. He's, he knows the Lord. He spends time with the Lord. He's talked to the Lord face to face. Ever whatever that means. So he goes up. Can you just see him going up and all of a sudden disappearing in the clouds, in the smoke, in the fire, in the lightning, in the thunder? And everybody goes, I wonder if he'll ever come back. What do you think will happen? You think he'll ever come back? I don't know. Aaron, what do you think? I don't know. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, go down and warn the people so they not break through to the Lord to gaze and many of them perish and let the priest also who come near the Lord consecrate themselves or else the Lord will break out against them. He says, listen, you better go back down, Moses, and warn the people. Don't let them. Some people may say, well, I'm going to kind of creep up to the edge of the mountain. Maybe I can look up in the clouds and see something. He said, do not let them come up there. Do not let them come as to gaze that they will perish. Law brings death. It always does. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us. And you said, Say and set boundaries around the mountain and consecrate it. So Moses said, Lord, you already told us not to do that. The Lord said to him, You go down, come up again, you and Aaron with you. But don't let the priest and the people break through to come up to the Lord, or he'll break forth against them. He'll break forth upon them. So Moses goes down, and who does he get? Aaron. So Moses went down to the people and told them. You can see him going down and going, Okay, everybody, make sure you stay back. Stay back. God said, do not get close at all. Aaron, you're going to come with me. Aaron goes, are you sure? Are you sure? Uh, did he say me? Are you sure it was me? <laughs> right? Now, next chapter is the law. The top ten. Some have jokingly said, if they hadn't broken the top ten, they might only be ten. But he takes them, and by the way, the Hebrew says that he, had an, he held the tablets in his hand. Don't picture him, Charlton Heston, coming down. I think they're round plates that he comes down with. And before he can get down there, he smashes them. Because they already smashed them. They already broke them. It's powerful. Moses will go there. And when he and Aaron go up there and He's going to come back down, and then and then he's going to go back up again. And we're going to see what happens to the people while he's gone. Okay, what have we seen? God comes to the nation at Sinai, and he makes the covenant, the Mosaic Law, four unconditional covenants, one conditional covenant. This is the conditional one. People say whatever God says we'll do. His purpose is to set them apart, the law of fellowship. It's a need for Messiah. It's not for the church. We're not under the law. It's a walk of faith. So let me give you applications. First of all, understand that Understand the covenants that God made, he made with the nation of Israel. It's Israel. You ever heard of the new covenant? When did the new covenant go into effect? It's found in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. When did the new covenant go into effect? That's right. What was the last supper? Jesus said, take this bread. Take his juice. This is represents my blood, the blood of the what? New covenant. That's not made with the church. Church hasn't started yet. Church won't start for a while. It's made with Israel. This is their new covenant. Understand the covenants that God made. He made with the nation of Israel. They're four unconditional and one conditional. The unconditional is that God will do. Land, seed, blessing. The conditional one is obedience. Second, 
understand the purpose of the law, the Mosaic Covenant. Okay? A, made with Israel, not us. Set them apart. Shows they're God's people. B, law always does this. Law shows need for a Savior. It shows the nation of Israel that. Anytime we look at the law, same thing. Anytime you and I say, all right, let's do the following things, what's going to happen? We're going to break them. We're going to mess up. I've said this many, many times. There's, there's a sign that says, do not look through this hole. And you walk by. And the sign says, do not look through this hole. What do you do? You say, wait a minute, nobody's going to tell me not to look through a hole, right? What's in the hole? Anytime something says, don't do this, what do we do? See, law makes you sin, by the way. You understand that? Law makes you sin. Paul says, I wouldn't have known sin until I saw the law. Then I said, I'm going to do it. The law cannot save. It does not have the power to save. The law is like a sign telling us that we're wrong, but it can never get us right. The law shows a need for Savior. The third thing is remember that Christians are not under and have never been under the law, the Mosaic law. Never have been. Salvation is not by the law. We're saved by grace through faith. Christian life is not by the law. It's our life it lived in the, the power of the Holy Spirit based on the word of God. It's a walk of faith. Christian life is a walk of faith, not a set of rules. May we understand the covenants that God made with Israel and the purpose of the law, all of those things. May we who have trusted Christ as Savior live in the power of the Holy Spirit, not trying to keep a law system. We'll talk more later, especially when we get into chapter 20. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you, Lord, for uh, us seeing uh, how you talked to Moses and how you brought him up there. And, and Lord, thank you that we look through the the Bible and talked about the covenants and the unconditional covenants made with Israel and the conditional covenant and understanding how it was and what the purpose of the law and how it set them apart and showed need a Savior. Lord, we realize that when we look at any law, whether it's the Mosaic law or law is a general rule, that we can't keep it and we need a Savior. And law points us to Christ. Thank you, Lord, for these principles and truths. Teach us, Lord. Help us to make application in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name.